Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. To today, starting at the quarterback position, there wasn't just one, two, three. No, there was four quarterbacks yeah. that the Bucks spoke with formally. And on top of that, there was one informal interview uh, with a guy who had a lot to say about Liam Cohen. So really excited to break this down with you. Yeah, let's start off with kind of the big news, right? The Buccaneers obviously uh, are trying to re-sign Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And they're, they're trying pretty hard to have him avoid free agency. They don't want other teams to get involved and possibly either lure him away or drive his price tag up. So uh, I had a story on PeterReport.com last night where we talked about a team, the Atlanta Falcons, yeah. if they don't trade for Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears quarterback, and I think they're going to, but who knows? The price might be a little too rich, and they might be in pursuit of Baker Mayfield should that happen. And there might be some other teams as well. So Tampa Bay is doing their best to avoid – Baker going to a division rival where there's a lot of familiar faces over there. Yeah, and if even if he doesn't go, they don't want to create – the last thing that they want is to create a bidding war where yeah. the Falcons, their only goal is to bid up the Bucs in pursuit of Baker Mayfield. And it's really interesting when you look at the Falcons. It's like it's either Justin Fields or it really does sound like they have interest in Baker Mayfield, and yeah. why not? They pretty much got – a whole handful of Rams coaches brought him over in Raheem Morris, uh, Zach Robinson right. as the offensive coordinator. It makes a lot of sense on paper. And what better way to hurt a division rival than, hey, let's take their star quarterback. And that leaves the Bucs in such a dire need to address the position, maybe at 26, maybe trading up. So there's a lot to look at there and what the Bucs would do at quarterback. Yeah, it, it certainly is something that, that uh, and I've had some conversations with, some Bucks people and, and uh, you know, they're, they're mindful of the Falcons interest in Baker Mayfield should a trade not be worked out. And I think at number eight, they would have to really, really propel themselves forward to try to get one of those top three quarterbacks. And that's easier said than done. We saw Carolina jump all the way up to number one, but man, you're really mortgaging your future. Yep trading away future number one picks just to go from the top 10 all the way up to get one of those quarterbacks. So it might be a situation where the Atlanta Falcons, if they can get Baker Mayfield in free agency, if Tampa Bay doesn't re-sign him uh, or can't re-sign him, then they don't have to burn any draft capital. Then they could probably get a pass rusher, maybe someone like Chop Robinson or Dallas Turner, if he's still on the board, that they really need for Raheem Morris's defense. That's the one big area that they're lacking in is the pass rush. They need to find a good edge rusher, and they're not going to be able to do that if they have to trade it to get a quarterback. Yeah, that's true, Scott. And when you look at – I reminded of the trade last year when the Panthers, they traded from 9-1, to one, and they really mortgaged their future. And they don't have a first-round pick this year. They're picking at number 33 to move up for Bryce Young. Would the Falcons do that? It, it's very unlikely that they would be able to trade up to number one uh, because that guy's Caleb Williams. That's right. But even trading up to two or three, it would be the same cost to do so. And is J.J. McCarthy the guy at eight? I'm, I'm not sure of that. So it looks like a veteran quarterback would be the route or getting a young and up-and-coming guy in Justin Fields. Yeah, and I did have an article out on Pewter Report the, this morning talking about Kyle Trask and – why the Buccaneers actually had a pretty good idea of drafting a quarterback that could maybe grab the baton from Tom Brady. It didn't work out, right? Kyle yeah. Trask is not that guy. 
but I think the process was sound. Mm -hmm. Look no further than, than a couple of teams with two distinctly different approaches. Number one was the Green Bay Packers drafting. They did uh, it twice. They did it twice, exactly. Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre, and they did it again with Jordan Love. And uh, when, when he was uh, still in, in, in Aaron Rodgers' prime in Green Bay, he had to sit on the bench for, what, two years? Yeah. Uh, he's still on his rookie deal, but then took the Packers, you know, to, to some new heights this year. And you look at, at, at Green Bay, they've got a model where they're, they're going to have almost four decades worth of play from three quarterbacks, Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. That's an incredible stretch that I think is the envy of most teams in the league. Yeah, for sure. And when you look at the quarterback position, it's such an important position, kind of like the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. You can never have enough guys there. And looking at the quarterbacks, uh, especially a guy like Devin Leary, even yeah. though he might not be, let's say, a starting quarterback, just having another guy in the room to really like groom and help Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask learn the terminology of Liam Cohen's offense, it's so valuable. The quarterback position, just too valuable to not – consider drafting one every right. year even when you have that guy in place you don't know how long that guy will be in place for you're exactly right and there's also injuries too we talked about kind of two different ways of, of drafting quarterbacks you can draft a quarterback for need for the future either to start him now or like Patrick Mahomes was drafted when Kansas City was really good yeah Alex Smith was the quarterback at that time they're coming off I think a 12-win season and Mahomes sat on the bench for a year and then took over for Alex Smith and then took that team to the Super Bowl multiple times. Yeah. Then, then there's a situation where the 49ers wanted to get some stability at the quarterback position, and they traded up to get Trey Lance. And that wasn't the dude that is starting games for no. him. No. Made it to the Super Bowl with. <laughs> no. He didn't work out. They had Jimmy Garoppolo as well, who they paid a king's ransom to. And even turned down Tom Brady when Brady wanted to play for the 49ers because they had invested so much money and Jimmy G. And so when Trey Lance wasn't working out and didn't show signs of, wow, he might be the next coming of a Steve Young or a Joe Montana, um, John Lynch did the wise thing. And yeah. probably more luck than anything, he just said, you know what? How about that Brock Purdy kid from Iowa State with our final pick in the, in the draft, making him Mr. Irrelevant. But man, Brock Purdy's been nothing but relevant for the 49ers ever since. And that was a year where they had back-to-back -back quarterbacks drafted from yeah. Trey Lance to Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy ended up being the guy. The Buccaneers have only drafted two quarterbacks in the last decade. Jameis Winston first overall, and then Kyle Trask with the last pick of the second round. And, you know, Trask is, has not panned out. I don't know that he's the guy. But if Baker Mayfield does leave, guess what? All of a sudden, he's in the mix yeah. for a starting job, probably with another quarterback that this team would draft this year, unless they can go out and find some in a free agency. But it's kind of slim pickings. I mean, are you going to pay a king's ransom for a 36-year-old quarterback in Kirk Cousins who's coming up a, a torn Achilles? I don't know. Yeah, and – like looking at the other quarterbacks that the Bucs spoke with formally, it makes a lot of sense that they're targeting not only maybe a top tier guy in JJ McCarthy, but also like some second tier options and Spencer Rattler, how they also spoke with and Michael Pratt, the guy on the header today, but like looking at the Patriots and how they kept drafting quarterbacks, even if they were, they were backups like Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, they invested that second, third round pick in a quarterback is saying, Hey, if Tom, Tom Brady leaves, we have another option in place. For the Bucs, if Baker Mayfield leaves, whether that's uh, this year or maybe two years down the line, yeah. they have a guy that they can go to and say, hey, we're confident. You've been under Liam Cohen for two years. You can run the show. Yeah. Tom Brady's been remarkably healthy, right? But remember the season opener, and I forget which year it was, um, maybe 20, I, I, I'm not going to even guess what day or what year it was, but in the season opener against Kansas City, he tears his ACL. He's out for the entire year. 2008, I think that was. There you go, 2008. I thought it was 2010, but 2008 sounds sounds more right. Uh, and and you, you never know when injuries are going to happen. Tom Brady's been one of the healthiest quarterbacks. Didn't miss a single start here in Tampa Bay for three years. But uh, that ACL injury happens moments into the first game of the season that year at Arrowhead. And we saw with Aaron Rodgers, right, in, yeah. in New York. Oh, man. 
I mean, we're talking eight plays into his Jets career. All of a sudden, it's back to Zach Wilson. So you can never have enough good quarterbacks. And I think Tampa Bay would be wise to, to draft more quarterbacks. This is a franchise that has never drafted a quarterback that it is signed to a second-year deal. First-round yeah. picks, you know, for guys like Vinny Testaverde, Trent Dilfer, Josh Freeman, Jameis Winston, they haven't panned out. Second-round picks uh, like Kyle Trask, Sean King, uh, Chris Sims in the third round, Mike Lennon in the third round. You know, they've had some success here and there, a season, half a season, a couple games, but nothing sustainable. They have not found that face of the franchise in the draft. It's always been free agent quarterbacks. Yeah. Whether more, more recently, Baker Mayfield, Tom Brady, uh, Brian Greasy, Jeff Garcia, they won division championships with those guys and the Super Bowl, of course, with Brad Johnson. So it doesn't hurt to continue to spend draft picks on quarterbacks. And we spoke with Chris Sims yeah. here at the uh, at the NFL Scouting Combine, former Buccaneer quarterback, good friends with Chris. I know he's got some polarizing uh, opinions sometimes for pro football talk, but uh, he made a really good point to me when he said, you know, you never know what's going to happen with injuries. He's like, look at me in Tampa. You know, we had a good thing going. All of a sudden, lost my spleen. And, and so you never know when there's going to be that, that's, that quick changing of the guard. But it, it doesn't hurt to, to draft a quarterback. Now, if you're, if you're going to re-sign Baker Mayfield and spend a lot of money on him, the last thing that you want to do is, is rock the boat and put Baker in, in a bad situation where all of a sudden you're drafting a quarterback in the – the first or second rounds yeah. and Aaron Rodgers went through that. Oh man. Up in, up in green Bay. Um, but if you draft a quarterback in the middle or the later rounds, it can kind of push the quarterback a little bit, but it doesn't create that contention. Yeah, that's a great point. And I remember uh, with Aaron Rodgers, he was so frustrated about the pick. Like he didn't want to come out and say it blatantly, but with Baker Mayfield, you don't want to create that kind of conflicting hostile environment where he's just waiting to exit, waiting to leave. But if you add a guy in the fourth or fifth round, somebody that can develop and groom as a number two, kind of along the lines of Kyle Trask, but maybe resetting that clock a little bit in terms of a contract, it makes a lot of sense adding another quarterback to the room. Yeah, it really does. So let's talk about some of these quarterbacks here. We have a, a, a super chat we're going to get to in just a second, but let's talk about the four quarterbacks that the, the Buccaneers met with formally. And uh, we'll go ahead and drop in into the chat the uh, the list of the updated trackers so you can see all the names that they listed. Devin Leary was the other quarterback, and he was an informal visit. That, of course, is the Kentucky quarterback under Liam Cohen last year. But uh, J.J. McCarthy, national championship guy, um, very good athlete, uh, probably going to take some time to develop. I don't know that he would be the kind of guy that you would want to come in and start right away and have some success. I think that he's got some potential. He's a very good athlete. He, he can use his legs. He kind of fits the modern-day quarterback. He's got good size and a pretty good arm. Um, but, you know, he had a good supporting cast around him. Roman Wilson, he had some tight ends to throw the ball to, a running back in Blake Corum. And I just know that that uh, John Spitek, who is a Michigan alum, would, yeah. would certainly be happy. I was kid, John. Uh, when are you going to draft more Kansas State Wildcats? He said, we've reached our Wildcat quota with Josh Hayes. We're going to draft some Michigan Wolverines first. Uh, he's kidding, of course, but maybe not. Maybe J.J. McCarthy becomes a first-round pick slide, but maybe he is a guy that maybe teams look at as more of a developmental player yeah. and slides into the second round. When you look at Spytech, man, he has so many options to choose from this year. There's 18 <laughs> Michigan Wolverines here at the NFL Combine this week. J.J. McCarthy being one of them. And when I look at J.J. McCarthy, I almost see him as a sleeper quarterback in this year's draft class. You have the top three set in stone, but who's that fourth guy? Is it Michael Penix? Is it J.J. McCarthy? There's a lot to like with J.J. McCarthy. Michigan relied a ton on the running game this past season with good reason. I mean, hey, Blake Corm, he had 27 rushing touchdowns, but McCarthy was really efficient. He completed over 72% of his passes, 22 touchdowns to just four interceptions. You really can't beat that efficiency. And it would be really interesting to see what kind of situation he goes into at the next level. The Bucs do present a very interesting option. But again, 
would they want to spend that first round pick, the second round pick, when he's been projected anywhere from 10 to the end of the first round? Yeah. That, that's a heavy investment, but you got to like J.J. McCarthy, uh, two guys that talked about him extensively today, Work Quorum and his wide receiver, Roman Wilson. Uh, Roman Wilson did say that he's an unbelievable guy. His ceiling's through the roof. Blake Quorum, he said he really has untapped potential as a signal caller. And if you're looking for that leader, he's that guy. I mean, yeah. hey, they went to the national championship game. And it was McCarthy that really got him there in leading that offense as a field general. Yeah, and he's he's not the the prolific passer guy that that is going to carry the team on his right arm, right? Yeah. And, and his, he's going to sling it all over the field. But he is a very good field general, manages the game really well, and that's no slight to him. He has a lot of athletic ability and a pretty good arm. But just situational football, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And, and I, I think that he's still – He's not a finished product. He's no. developing. The only reason I think he's coming out is his ceiling is really high right now. He's won <laughs> yeah. the national championship. And they're going to be losing a lot of players to the NFL. And as a quarterback, you don't want to come back and have the covered bear uh, and then see your, your draft stock slide down a little bit because of the circumstances around you. So can't blame J.J. McCarthy for wanting to come out. I see him more as a second-round pick than a first. And I don't know that the Buccaneers are going to draft a quarterback that high in the draft because they have other pressing needs, edge rusher, interior offensive line. And if you're going to spend 30 plus million dollars on Baker Mayfield, you got to protect it. Yep. Doesn't make sense to burn a draft pick this year on a quarterback that high, but another quarterback that you mentioned that might be going that high, maybe in the first or the second round is, is Michael Penix, the Tampa kid. Yeah. Michael Penix. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. Made it all the way to uh, the national championship game, or pretty close to right the semifinals. So, well, yeah, he, he was he was in the national championship game and they lost. Yeah. Had a great game against Texas. It, for whatever reason, the Michigan defense was just suffocating and stifling against those wide receivers, the tight ends, and really just did a great job of shutting down Washington's offense. But we saw the best of Penix against Texas, and probably the worst game of his career of his career in Washington was was against Michigan, unfortunately. Yeah, but when you look at Penix, there's a lot to like. He threw 36 touchdowns last year, and he did so with three really good wide receivers. And the intriguing part is, if you come to Tampa Bay, you have two really good wide receivers to yeah. throw to, and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. The only thing that kind of concerns me, he is a lefty, and yeah. there is some acclimation in adjusting offense and kind of tailoring it around a left-handed quarterback. Right. And then also you have the fact that he spent four years at Indiana, started 21 games, didn't really shine in that time period. And then also the injury history. Yes. But the past two years at Washington, he's been really productive, really prolific. And it's it's intriguing to see, will he be a day one guy or is he that guy that's going right. to slip in day two? Yeah. And you know, he didn't have the greatest week at the Senior Bowl either. I don't think that he, neither he nor Bo Nix had a great uh, week at the Senior Bowl. I think Spencer Rattler, believe it or not, actually had the best week yeah. of, of, of any of the quarterbacks and really improved his stock. But we do know like the, the Bucks are, are favorable towards senior bowl players. They drafted five in each of the last two seasons. Will Michael Penix, who's from Dade City, just north of Tampa, will the hometown kid be on the Bucks' radar enough to where Tampa Bay is tempted to take a pick? Maybe if he's in the second round. Bruce Arians loves the guy. The only problem is Bruce Arians isn't a coach anymore <laughs> yeah. uh, for the Buccaneers, but that's something to keep in mind with that senior bowl affiliation. Keeping with the quarterbacks before we get to running backs – and wide receivers, and we'll kind of tease you real quick. The Buccaneers, well, they had some formal visits with a couple of, of those guys as well. The running backs they had formal visits with were, uh, no surprise, we've talked about him. He's been in our mock draft. We're talking about Ray Davis from Kentucky, Liam Cohen's guy, yeah, and Marshawn Lloyd from USC. Those were the two backs that Tampa Bay had formal visits with a bunch of informal visits. They're looking at running backs hard, yeah. probably on day three, if they can't get either Davis or Lloyd in those middle rounds. Uh, Jason Knight likes to use third round picks on running backs. He's done yeah. a lot of times, even in the second round for Ronald Jones, but the receivers, there was only three receivers. And this is such a, a deep receiver draft class. It is. I was a little surprised that they did not even have that many informal visits with with receivers, but the three guys that we know that they spoke with formally, and that means Jason Light and Todd Bowles were in the room with the Bucks brass, Keon Coleman from Florida State, uh, Jalen McMillan from Washington, one of those 
three stud receivers that Michael Penix had to throw to. And then Brian Thomas, the, the other guy at LSU, the speed demon that put up a bunch of touchdowns opposite Malik Neighbors. So those are the running backs and wide receivers that we'll talk about later in the show. But continuing with the quarterback position, another guy that they spoke with that was uh, on our uh, radar dating back to the Senior Bowl is this guy right here, Michael Pratt from Tulane. Actually, goes by the name of Mike Pratt now. Yeah, yeah, he had to change it because of Michael Penix. Uh, but with Mike Pratt, he was a four-year starter at Tulane. Every year, statistically, he got a little bit better. Uh, this past season, he completed over 65% of his passes, was really efficient. And at the Senior Bowl, I thought he did good. He maybe didn't do as well as Spencer Rattler. Yeah. But there's a lot to like in the regard of him maybe being around 3-4 guy and then also having that upside and the football intelligence to really push Baker Mayfield and bring the best out of the quarterback room. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what I liked about Mike Pratt, he caught my attention when Tulane rolled into Manhattan, Kansas a couple of years ago and beat K-State. It's very, very hard, especially for non-conference teams, to roll into Manhattan and win. It's just a, it's a very tough environment. But not only did he do that, he actually went head-to-head with Caleb Williams. Tulane had a stunning fourth-quarter comeback in the Sugar Bowl to beat the USC Trojans and finished within the top 10 two years ago. So you look at Tulane. They were literally went from, from worst to first, and uh, I think they won two games. They were displaced by a hurricane three years ago, and then they ended up winning, I want to say, 11 games the next season and then had a really good season as well. I want to say he's, tw- I think, 21 and three as a starter, 23 and three as a starter. That's pretty good. Yeah. All he does is win. He's a very athletic player. He's got very good movement. He's not uh, a guy that, that, that you will – want to design quarterback run schemes around like say Lamar Jackson, but he can scramble, make plays with his feet, pick up first downs. He scored 18 rushing touchdowns. He's got a good, but not great arm. And he's just a winner very much in the JJ McCarthy mold. He's kind of a game manager, smart player, very few interceptions. He does not beat himself, does not beat your team, but will account for touchdowns, get the guys in the right places, uh, very heady, cerebral quarterback. And Todd uh, Bowles would like that heady part. <laughs> Todd Bowles would love the heady part. So, again, a senior bowl guy that I think Tampa Bay uh, has some interest in for sure. And then the other senior bowl guy, of course, is, is Spencer Rattler. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Spencer Rattler, the senior bowl MVP. Had a really good week in Mobile, Alabama. When I look at Spencer Rattler – I kind of think, did he get a fair shake as a prospect? When he came in at Oklahoma, a lot of people were like, hey, he's going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft when he he gets there. He's not going to be this year, but the guy that unseated him, to be fair, was Caleb Williams. And when you look at his production at South Carolina the past two seasons, there is a lot to like about his game. Uh, he was somebody that the Bucs formally spoke with. Scott, I wonder, is Spencer Rattler a guy that the Bucs should consider? There's a lot of talk that he'll go in the second, third round, maybe fourth, fifth. Where do you see him falling, and could he be a Bucs fit? Yeah, I think he could be a Bucs fit because of a couple of reasons. Number one, you've had Liam Cohen, who's had some success, not just with Baker Mayfield, uh, but also with John Wolford a little bit in, in L.A., very much like how uh, Dave Canales had success with, with, with a shorter quarterback, up there in Seattle and Russell Wilson, right? Um, height does not bother uh, the Dave Canalyses. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You know, has Bryce Young to work with uh, and Liam Cohen. It's not like Bruce Arians where he wants that big, tall, Ben Roethlisberger-type pocket passer, that Carson Palmer uh, type. He can get by with uh, with a, a guy that has mobility, that can get outside the pocket, that can make some plays, and... I look at, at Rattler as kind of Baker Mayfield-esque for a couple of reasons. He's got a live arm. He's developing his touch. 
there were some negative things about him early in his career at Oklahoma. And then, of course, there was the Netflix series where he kind of came across as a bit of a spoiled brat yeah. uh, and a me-first type guy. He's really grown and matured. I talked with Marshawn Lloyd today, and he had a lot of great things to say about uh, about Marshawn, or I should say about Spencer Rattler from the year they spent together in South Carolina before Marshawn Lloyd went to play with Caleb Williams at USC. And so I think that that uh, kind of like Baker Mayfield came to Tampa – and a lot of Buccaneer fans were like, ah, we've seen you on the commercials. We know right? what you're like. We know what you're like. We've seen your press conferences. You're kind of surly. And Baker Mayfield kind of shattered those myths and stereotypes by really being a humble guy. And I think that's, that's more of the, uh, of the Spencer Rattler that we see today. And so maybe the best spot for a place like Spencer Rattler, who does have some arm talent, and kind of like Baker Mayfield had the knock of turning the ball over too much, trying to make too much happen. Maybe this is a younger version of Baker Mayfield. I really like that comparison between the two and just kind of having that chip on the shoulder mentality. Like uh, Spencer Rattler, he's already kind of been written off even before he's entered the NFL. Right. So why not come in the NFL, prove your doubters wrong, and learn behind a guy that did it last season for the box? Yeah, exactly. We've got uh, some videos to play here from some of the quarterbacks since we're kind of talking about them. Um, let's let's talk about uh, a few of these guys and, and roll some clips here. Have you met with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I have, yes, sir. Was that a formal or informal? A formal. How did that meeting go? Amazing. Once again, you know, great interactions, great guys. Uh, what, like I said before, it would be a blessing to be able to play for them. Michael, what was it like growing up in uh, in Dade City and Tampa? And uh, could you imagine getting drafted by the box and thrown to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? Man, it was crazy. You know, and Dade City is small, small city. I'm a small city country boy, so it's like it's different. You know, um, when I got to college, you know, there's a lot of cities and stuff that I really didn't know about that I was able to visit. You know, so um, I'm super blessed for it all. But if I was able to be back in Tampa, you know, it would be special. You know, all my family is still there, and um, it'll be easy access for them to uh, see me. So, have you met with the Buccaneers at all this week? Yeah, I did. I did. Was that formal or informal? Uh, nah, it, it was a formal meeting. You know, it was it was good though. It was good to to be able to talk to those guys and um. You know, um, I felt confident. It was great. How do you think you'd fit in with that offense with uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans who they're trying yeah, to resize? To be honest, I feel like I can fit in with any offense. You know, I feel like uh, what I bring to the table, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to elevate everybody around me. You know, I feel like I'll, I'll definitely uh, be able to find ways to win wherever I go. So I'll be super excited for anything. Spencer, have you met with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yet? Yes, sir. Was that formal or informal? Formal. What, what was that meeting like to sit down with Jason Light, Todd Bowles, and all that? Uh, it went well. You know, we watched my tape, talked ball, uh, just getting to know me. It went well. Mike, have you met with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here at the... Yes, sir. Uh, was that a formal or informal? Uh, formal. How did that meeting go with Jason Light and Todd Bowles? Uh, it was great. You know, talking about my home state, um, really? just talking some ball, talking some, you know, background stuff. It went really well. What would it be like to catch, or I should say, throw passes to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, guys like that in Tampa? That would be awesome. Um, be a really cool experience, especially being back down there. Um, you know, I'd definitely love to do that. We also had the opportunity to talk to some Kentucky Wildcats who yeah. gave us some pretty good insight about Liam Cohen, the Bucks' new offensive coordinator who spent two years at Kentucky in 2023 and 2021. Of course, Ray Davis, one of those running backs who the Buccaneers met with formerly that we had in our latest mock draft, was one of those guys, as was Devin Leary, yeah. the quarterback at Kentucky. Let's get to that video right now. Ray, your offensive coordinator, Liam Cohn's now in Tampa with the Buccaneers. What type of, of uh, guy and, and offensive mind are the Bucs going to be getting? Uh, you know, they're, they're getting a guy who's a hard worker. You know, they're getting a guy who wants to keep uh, elevating his game, elevating his offensive mindset. I mean, I enjoyed having Coach Cohn around, man. He taught me a lot just absorbing the knowledge that he has as a play caller, um, you know, as, as a father, and, and even as a grown man, you know what I'm saying? He kept trying to continue to instill greatness inside in me and um, continue to just be the best person I can be on and off the field, but also to be coachable. And uh, I think the Bucks are getting, you know, a hell of a guy who's going to continue to go in there and keep proving himself uh, week in and week out. And, uh, you know, for him to be back with Baker, I know that's truly a blessing for him to be able to be with a guy that he went through adversity with at the Rams and was able to really prevail. Have you met with the Buccaneers? Uh, yes, I have. Is that formal or informal? I met with formal with them. Yeah, how would it, would it be like to reunite with them and, and uh, be the running back in his 
Yeah, it'd be cool. You know, we, we had a really good uh, season together. Um, you know, it sucks that it was only one season. You know, I think we both would have wished we had more. But, um, you know, it'd be, cool to go to, it'd be cool to go to any team. But to be reunited with Coach Cohen would be pretty good. Wanted to get your thoughts on Liam Cohen playing under him at yep. Kentucky and the job that you think he'll do with the Buccaneers as OC. Yeah, I mean, it was an awesome opportunity to learn under Coach Cohen. Uh, really taught me a lot especially from an NFL standpoint, being able to see it at the most elite level. And I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are getting a really good one. I know he's going to bring, you know, his expertise, his mastermind of the offensive brain. And I'm really excited to see what he does with them. Yeah, so that was Dennis or Devin Leary, the uh, the Kentucky quarterback right there, and uh, Ray Davis before that. We've got a couple super chats we're going to get to before we turn the show over to Matt Matera and Bailey Adams. So let's start with this one here from... LDBC's most wanted 499 Super Chat. Thank you so much. Thank Saludos you. PR. Wanted to know how you would rank your top 10 Jason Light draft picks. Evan's a clear number one, but how does the rest of the top 10 look? Ooh, wow. That's a good one. That is good. And you're putting me on the spot and I'm 51 and my memory isn't what it used to be. Uh, let me get back to you on Monday. I'll come up with a list just for you, LDBC, from Monday's podcast. And I'll, I'll rank the top 10. And I'm sure Matt and Tara will probably come up with his list as well. Maybe we'll have the same there as well. All right. This Ooh. is Bailey Adams' list here. He's, <laughs> he's on the spot. Um, number one, Mike Evans. Number two, Tristan Wirfs. Number three, Antoine Winfield. Number four, Chris Godwin. Number five, Ellie Marpet. Number six, B. DeVea. Number seven, Carlton Davis. Number eight, Jamel Dean. Number nine, Jordan Whitehead. Number 10, Anthony Nelson. That's that, a really solid list. That's a really solid list. And every single one of these Buccaneers – Helps win a Super Bowl. So you can't go wrong with that. So that's the, good. The only I, ones I'd maybe consider. I'd co-sign on that. I'd change our 9 and 10. Yeah. Maybe add like some of the guys that have been drafted in the past year or two. You can maybe make the case for Elijah Cansey, Rashad White. Yeah. Jay yeah, Camargo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, that's a really good list. Appreciate that, Bailey, for being on the spot like that. Let's go to our other super chat here. Whoa, $20.21 for Mark Alonzo. Thank you, Mark. Question about something I heard on the Joe Bucks fan um, in their interview with Jason Light. One of the Joes made an off-the-cuff comment about Ira Kaufman testing free agency with Pewter Report. Please tell us what that means. Um, well, I would say this. Uh, given his age, we would not trade for Ira Kaufman. Uh, we want to, to go with a, a younger uh, guy than the old sage. Uh, no, I just kid. I, I love Ira. We all do. Uh, we're big fans of Ira. Um, we would entertain and uh, maybe making Ira an offer in free agency. A one-year deal. Maybe a one-year deal. Yeah, one-year prove-it deal. Um, but uh, we, we would not necessarily trade for Ira. We like our staff the way it is. We, don't, we, we feel like draft picks are two valuable commodities. So not prepared to make any trades for Ira, but if he does hit free agency, we'll listen. Listen, I want you guys to... Uh, to do one thing for us. Uh, actually, two things. Number one, make sure that you're liking the videos and commenting on our Pewter Report podcast. That means a lot because what it does is it boosts our algorithm, gets us in front of more Pewter people like you. Also, help our numbers grow. Hit the subscribe button. It's free. And get us up to 14,000. That's our goal by draft time to get to 14,000 subscribers. And we're on our way thanks to you, Pewter people. The other thing I want you to do is start your morning, maybe get your afternoon going with the, with the Celsius and with Celsius, they've got some exciting new flavors that Matt Matera is going to talk about. We have been fueling this trip to Indianapolis, courtesy of Celsius. We clicked on the store locator by going to Celsius.com to find out where we could get some Celsius. Haven't found the essentials, but boy, they're going fast at a lot of locations. That's right, Scott. And let me tell you all these talks about trades. One thing I would never trade is a Celsius energy drink. I would be the one trading for it. So there's a transition everybody was looking for. Um, the Celsius Essentials, they are the tall boys. They are the bigger cans of Celsius, and they got 270 milligrams of caffeine. Check out their flavors, the Blue Crush and the Dragonberry. You had uh, heard Scott talk about um the celsius store locator so if you want to find the celsius essentials or maybe the uh, you know the celsius sparkling orange sparkling watermelon arctic vibe fuji apple pear tropical vibe as well um, go to the store locator punch in your address to tell you the closest place to go pick one up like we've done in indianapolis so go pick one up at your local walmart 7-eleven health and fitness store or if you're lucky enough 
go pick one up at your bodega. Thank you, Barbershop Quartet. And once you keep going to your bodega and you know you love Celsius and you want to get more, buy it in bulk on Amazon Prime. Get that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. Um, you can have it sent to your place whenever you want with the subscribe and save. You're the captain. You're in charge. Um, you have it sent every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast. All right. As Scott just said, I am Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow co-host and colleague at pewterreport.com, Bailey Adams. Bailey, we kept it rocking and rolling today with the quarterbacks, which Scott and Adam were talking about uh, to a, a great deal. Some of the running backs as well. Uh, but wide receivers was something we were paying a little bit more um, attention to today with some formal interviews uh, with Jalen McMillan and Keon Coleman and Brian Thomas. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about those guys. Let's start with Brian Thomas, the, the LSU product, who um, I saw live and I saw Keon Coleman live as well the, the first week of the college football season. But yeah. Let's uh, get into it. Brian Thomas, speed. He, he is a very quick guy, long a uh, long ball specialist almost. He's just a guy who won a lot uh, deep catching passes from Jaden Daniels, the Heisman winner. Um, a lot of production this past year. I mean, even playing with Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors is the guy that gets talked about the most because he's yeah. one of, if not the best receivers in this draft. But Brian Thomas is up there. He had 68 catches last year, uh, almost 1,200 yards, 17 touchdowns. He averaged 17.3 yards per catch. So definitely a guy who can win deep. But when you watch his tape, you also see some contested catches. You know, a lot of times, yeah. whether in the red zone, corner of the end zone, he can make some of those tough catches too. So he's not just a speed straight line guy. He can he can do it all. So uh, an, an intriguing guy. I don't know um, if they'll go receiver at 26, but I think that's probably the range he'll end up going in in the 20s or, or early 30s. Well, I do feel like regardless, the Bucks need a little something, something yes. at wide receiver. I don't think even if Mike Evans resigns, and let's let's hope Mike Evans resigns and speak it into existence as much as we possibly can. Obviously, you got a great one-two combo with Mike and Chris. We all know that. We all understand that. And it'd be multiple, multiple years where we've had that combination together. Now, wide receiver three, the Bucks last season were really able to kind of mix and match it together. Um <laughs> What's that mean you see sometimes where it's like the water spouting out and then bam, you, you put the tape <laughs> yeah, on top yeah. and you know it, it's a quick fix? I yes. felt like sometimes the Bucs were like putting some duct tape. What does it slide? Flex tape. The Bucs were able to put some flex tape onto that wide receiver three. Now, granted, let's remember Russell Gage, who, who's going to be like, oh, Russell Gage was supposed to be that wide yeah. receiver three, and they really had to adjust. So it was kind of a wide receiver three by committee. <laughs> whether it was um, Trey Palmer or Devin Tompkins, Rakeem Jarrett for a little bit. And Jason Light continues to talk about how much he likes Rakeem Jarrett. Yeah. Uh, and, and David Moore as well. But I don't know like how often you can rely on that on a consistent basis. Now, the Bucs aren't going to find what they had in 2020 and 2021, yeah. where it was Mike and Chris and AB. And then, oh, by the way, you had a Hall of Fame tight end with, with Rob Gronkowski. But with all that said, I – I like Trey Palmer, but I don't know if he's ready just yet to be the full-blown wide receiver three. And I think it's interesting with some of the the formal interviews that they had, you were just talking about Thomas. Like you mentioned, Thomas wasn't like the top guy in LSU. It was Malik Neighbors, who's probably going to be off the board uh, very quickly. Keon Coleman is a guy that... Probably was the number one guy with um, with Florida State, but he had that dynamic duo kind of with the other Johnny football, uh, <laughs> um, Johnny Walker. So I really enjoyed what I saw from Keon Coleman this season. It was his first year with Florida State. He was previously at Michigan State. I was also at his first career game uh, when Florida State played against LSU in Orlando at Camping World Stadium, had two touchdowns in that game and obviously progressed throughout the year, but the way that he burst onto the scene for Florida state, it was kind of a microcosm for his season and kind of the strengths that he brought to Florida state and that he will attempt to bring at the NFL level because one, his first touchdown, I believe it was 
It was a short pass. It was like a five to 10 yard pass and he caught it and ran the rest of the way. And that's one of the strengths of Keon Coleman is um, his, his yak, his yards after the catch and his ability to uh, make players miss and go down the field and just kind of getting to talk to him today. He's a real confident guy, a smooth guy, a smooth operator as well, um, but can make those combat catches. I think all wide receivers look for or that teams look for in wide receivers, I probably should say a little more clearly. Um, so he can be the top guy. He's got good size at, at 6'4". So um, I think the Bucs kind of want to get back to finding those, those taller receivers. He's not – he's got speed, but he's not like a, a speed demon by any means. So the vertical routes, I think the Bucs will still stick with, you know, Mike Evans and Goblin we'll see, especially Palmer. if he's going to go – well, Palmer too, yeah. but I meant like God when he's going to move into right. the slot um, a little bit more. But I would love this fit with Keon Coleman with the uh, with the Buccaneers. Just what he provides, the catches he can make. He made some awesome catches last year. Uh, Florida State against Syracuse is one that uh, a lot of people talk about, and I think he could fit right in with this Buccaneers offense. Yeah, and wide receiver. We going back to what you said about trying to find that wide receiver three. It was by committee last year. And I'd say even, you know, more so than it being sometimes Tompkins, sometimes uh, David Moore. I think even wide receiver three, a lot of times was Rashad White, the running back. And then late in the season, Kate Otten was almost the wide receiver three. Eight for 89 against the Eagles. (laughs) Um, So it it is about finding that number three receiver. And it's also when you look at the landscape, assuming, you know, again, speaking into existence, Mike Evans coming back, he's still on the wrong side of 30. So we'll see what that contract looks like in, in terms of the length. And then Chris Godwin's entering a contract year. He is. So you're kind of seeing the that, that dynamic duo that the Bucs have had for, well, since 2017, I believe, or yeah. 2018, is, I don't want to say it's expiring, but it's getting there. And you kind of need to find you know some of that, that next wave of talent at wide receiver. And they draft a guy like Keon Coleman, Brian Thomas Jr., whatever they do, if they, if they draft a guy early, that's kind of, yeah, maybe he'll be their wide receiver three now, but in a couple years' time, you'll see him as – number one or number two or maybe number one a if he's in between but i think it's really interesting and, and almost on that front they didn't interview as many wide receivers as i thought at least from yeah. what we gathered they, they had those three formals and they had five more informals and and you know jalen polk from washington said he wasn't sure he couldn't remember um but i think going into this I was thinking you know wide receiver is a big need yeah because of what we talked about with wide receiver three and then the just the future outlook of everything they didn't interview as many as i thought they would that is true, but let's also remember that just because there's formal interviews with these guys, informals with others, that doesn't mean that someone that they didn't mean meet at the NFL Combine in Indy. That doesn't necessarily mean that you know they're off their radar and that they won't. We can probably start calling that the Kalajikansi rule. Yes, yes, the Kalajikansi effect, or uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. The last wide receiver that they met formally was with Jalen. McMillan out of Washington and he kind of fits that theme that I was talking about before with an extremely talented player but wasn't always the number one guy when it comes to the offense that he was in because you had uh, Roma Dunze with with Washington and and Polk as well and those guys were studs and they put up a ton of yards that was really the case for McMillan the year before when he was with Washington. He got over a thousand yards. Uh, had some injury issues with um, with the Huskies last season, so he only played nine games. Had five hundred was that say five hundred fifty nine yards and five touchdowns. Still, still was able to produce for uh, the Washington Huskies. And one of those things you do worry about it a little bit with injuries. Obviously, Michael Penix in Washington is. It is the big one that people are concerned about. But some things to like about him, again, if he were to go to the Buccaneers, he's an excellent, excellent route runner. And I know we talked with Coleman about the yards after the catch. This dude is right up there with him, almost more scary once he has that football. And that's a great picture right there to kind of indicate what he can do. Uh, the worry about him, though, is, is, is his overall physique. And I think that may have led to some of the injuries that he had last year. Obviously, a wide receiver, you're there to catch the ball, make plays down the field. But the box historically, and I get it, it's a new offense with Liam Cohen, who we'll talk about in just a moment. Um, the, you still need a, a wide receiver that can be physical, that can do a couple of um, different things. So 
Um, you do have to think about that with McMillan a little bit. He is 6'1", so a little bit on the smaller side at wide receiver, which the Bucks kind of already have with Devin Thomas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tompkins and and some of those other players, but an exciting guy and a, a dynamic guy and a player that can produce without always needing the football, which I think would be important for the box. Yeah, and like six one one ninety two too. That so that frame is maybe not you know the big bodied receiver that the Bucks maybe need or are looking for. They have a lot of those guys that are a little on the smaller side, but like you said, a, a consistent guy. Even this past year when he was dealing with a little bit of injury. Uh, issues he over the last three years was right around that 12 to 14 yards per catch range 12.1 yards per catch in 2021 13.9 was his career high uh, outside of you know one for 16 in in 2020 13.9 in his 1,000 yard season and then this past season 12.4 yards per catch like you said after the catch ability um, another exciting prospect another exciting option for the Bucks at the wide receiver position uh, let's get to some video of the players we just talked about. We obviously spoke with them today at the Combine, and these are comments from the formal interviews of wide receivers that met with the Bucks. Jalen, at the beginning of your um, Washington career, you had a teammate, tight end, Kate Odden, who now plays for the Bucks. What do you remember about him being a teammate and what he brought to the team? Um, his energy. I mean, he was always in the locker room. Um, just talking to everybody and making sure everybody's all right. Um, but he's also a quiet guy and just comes to practice ready to work and um, doesn't didn't use any gloves in college. So he would he would only tape his fingers and um, he would still catch everything. So I found that fascinating. Uh, have you met with the Bucks at all this week? Uh, yeah. Was that formal or informal? Formal. And how was that meeting Todd Bowles and some of the other guys on the coaching staff? Oh, it went great. Um, just meeting all the coaches and feeling their vibe and energy was great. Have you met with the Buccaneers at all this week? Yes, sir, I did. We had a great interview, actually. Was that formal or informal? It was formal. Uh, all my interviews were formal. What would it be like to work with Chris Godwin and potentially Mike Evans again uh, for, for him with the Bucs? That would be great. Day? Mike has been a thousand-yard receiver since he got in, so that would be great learning the ins and outs from him and learning how to be a pro and be a great football player. That would be a great experience. So, Bailey, another thing that's interesting is we mentioned the guys that the Bucs did formally meet with, but – as Scott and Sly talked about earlier, um, there's a large range of talent, a big range of, of wide receivers this uh, this year in the draft and at the combine that the Bucks did not talk to, and that might be a little telling as well. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, there's guys like well, someone we didn't hear from at all today was Malachi Corley. He wasn't available for his media um, appearance. So Malachi Corley, a guy that we really liked at the Senior Bowl, so not sure whether they did or did not meet with him. Um, but some of these other guys like Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. Um, Adonai Mitchell from Texas, Xavier Worthy yeah. from Texas. Um, you know, some of these other guys that maybe like Lad McConkey from Georgia, uh, Jamari Thrash from Louisville, some of these guys who, you know, they did not talk to. Ricky Pearsall from Florida is another yeah. one um, that they have not talked, they have not spoken to again, like you just mentioned. Just because they haven't spoken with them doesn't mean, you know, they're off the radar completely. And some of these guys could be available, you know, late first round, early second round um, as the Bucks look to fill that position. Now, we did talk to Lad McConkey a little bit because we want to get some more insight about wide receivers coach Brian McClendon that was hired by the Buccaneers this year. Now, McClendon does come from the college ranks. He was uh, most recently the wide receivers coach with the Georgia Bulldogs, was also with Oregon, was their uh, wide receivers coach, passing game coordinator, was their interim coach for a, a little bit. So um, we have some video from Lad McConkey and Troy Franklin, who's a wide receiver from Oregon and worked with McClendon in, uh, in his first year, Franklin I'm talking about, in his first year with Oregon before McClendon uh, moved over to Georgia. So this is what they had to say about the Bucks' new wide receivers coach and what these receivers for Tampa Bay are going to get out of him. Troy, early in your uh, Oregon career, your wide receivers coach was uh, Brian McClendon. He's yeah. now the wide receivers coach for the Bucks. What was it like working with him, and what kind of coach are the Bucks getting? It was pretty cool. Um, 
hard worker. He's going to be on his guys, making sure they're working for sure. You know, um, he's definitely going to get that room better over there for sure, you know, most definitely. Hey, lad, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have hired your receivers coach, Brian McClendon. What can you say about him and how he's going to do in the NFL? Yeah, um, that, that's my guy. I've always said it. BMAC is a, is a great coach, um, but he's even even a better person. So I uh, appreciate everything he did for me, and I wish him nothing but the best. So. Did you make him? He's a great coach. You know? um, I'm excited that he got this opportunity to go up in the league and get a receiver job at the Bucs. You know, you got to do what's right for him, what's right for his family. So I know, I know the guys at UJ might be a little sad, but the guys in his are going back, so that might be a plus for them. But at the same time, they might be a little sad or something. But and he's, you got to do what's best for him and his family. And uh, Ricky Pearsall, another name that we mentioned. Obviously, when we come to the Combine, we want to find out as much information uh, as we can, Who's who the Bucks are meeting with, any connections there. It's also fun to hear from players that have previously played with Buccaneers players back in their college days. So Ricky Pearsall is actually a, a very fun one because many of you probably know him for playing at Florida, but before that, he played at Arizona State where he was actually teammates with Rashad White, who everyone here is very familiar with. And then um, Oregon running back Bucky Irving, you may not know, before he was with the Ducks, he was a gopher playing at Minnesota and was teammates with Co-Keep. So a little bit of six degrees of Kevin Bacon (laughs) with uh, these prospects. Um, Let's hear about Pearsall and his connection with Rashad White and Bucky Irving playing with Co-Keep. Ricky, you, Ricky, you were teammates with uh, Rashad White for a bit over at Arizona State. What was he like as a teammate, and what do you think about what he's done uh, at the NFL level with Fox? Yeah, he's actually one of my really good buddies. So, you know, we talk a lot. I'm really proud of him and what he's accomplished. He's a tremendous athlete. To be honest, I really just expected it from him. You know, all the success that he's getting, I expected it. He's very talented guy. Bucky, your first uh, college year at Minnesota, one of your teammates was Cole Keefe, who now plays for the Bucs. Uh, what was he like as a teammate? I mean, Cole Keefe was a great guy. Came to work each and every day. A guy that I like for me pulling on counter runs. And I know he's going to get up and get to the backside back and, and get a great block. Another cool thing about the NFL draft, you can bet on it. That is absolutely right. You can bet on certain things such as how many SEC players will get drafted in the first round. Over or under 10 to 11 defensive players, will they get drafted in the first round? There's a number of different things that will come up as the draft gets closer. If you're going to bet on the draft or any sport that's going on right now, college basketball, maybe you're a big St. John's fan and you won on them beating Butler the other night, uh, make sure you go and do it over at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code PEWTER, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, and you get free money in your account when you sign up with my bookie. Free money in your account. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. So check out mybookie.ag. Start betting on college basketball, the NBA, hockey, UFC, all different sports. And then football will be back sooner than you know it. Uh, so mybookie.ag, promo code Pewter. Check out their online casino as well. You don't even have to leave your couch. We're on a couch right now. <laughs> we could just go to the casino. Don't even have to go into the bitter coldness of uh, Indianapolis. So shout out to mybookie. Shout out to Paul Bowen for this $1.99 super chat who says, Bucks should look at Kamani Vidal from Troy. Good running back. Yeah, that's a play that we've spoken about a little bit on, on previous Pewter Report podcast, really trying to emphasize the P there. Uh, but yeah, Kamani Vidal has been on our radar. Yeah, he has. He's also on the Bucks' radar. The Bucks met with him informally in Indianapolis at the Combine, so somebody they're looking into. And yeah, somebody we've t- talked about a little bit here on the Pewter Report podcast because, you know, an exciting running back. And there were some more exciting running backs, you know, that we got to speak to um, at the Combine today. And Two formal interviews, Ray Davis from Kentucky and USC running back Marshawn Lloyd. Um, both very exciting. And then there's a, quite a long list of un, uh, informal interviews as well. Yeah, uh, Braylon Allen, Kendall Milton from uh, Georgia. So once again, going back to the Dowgs uh, with Georgia. Uh, Jawar Johnson, uh, Monty Bailey, just a, a couple of guys that were mentioned. Obviously, everyone wants to talk about the connection between Liam Cohen and Ray Davis, and and understandably so. I mean, (laughs) 
I'm not going to guarantee the Fox draft uh, Ray Davis by any means, but you could just, obviously you can connect the dots. You can just see um, how much of a connection there is. You have a new offensive coordinator coming in and sure it's a, it's a similar offense to what Dave Canales had, but it, Liam Cohen is it's going to structure things in a little bit of a, a different way. And why not bring in a guy that's going to be more familiar with his system than anyone else on the Bucks roster? I think that would be a, um, a fun thing to see. He can do a number of things. He's a little bit of a pass catcher as well. Can be physical as a um, as a defensive. Sorry, can be physical as a a running back going up against defenders. So a lot to like about Ray Davis. Eater seventeen says, "Wake me up when we talk about the trenches." Don't you worry, Eater. You you can get a good amount of sleep, like Thumbelina. I think she she slept for a while or whatever that is. Um, but Monday's show on the Peter Report podcast, we'll be back in Tampa, kind of defrosting a little bit after coming from Indiana, but. We'll be uh, going on at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern time where we will recap what we learned and what we heard from the offensive linemen at the NFL Combine, who we will be speaking to tomorrow on Saturday uh, from the NFL Combine. So don't worry, Eater17. We got the offensive line in the trenches coming up tomorrow and on Monday's show where we will talk about it. Let's uh, get into the quarterbacks real quick yeah. before we talk about the best box coverage around. But QBs, your thoughts? Um, it'll be interesting. I, I know, obviously, the, the top guys, they're not within range for any of those. They're going to bring back Baker Mayfield anyway. Um, but I think you know what, what Scott was saying earlier uh, about and what he wrote about on PeterReport.com about the Bucks having the right idea in drafting Kyle Trask a few years ago is they're trying to find that next guy and trying to find that perfect transition plan and the succession plan that they need at the quarterback position because you're not always guaranteed to find, you know, a gym and free agency yeah. as they have in the past. So, you know, and, and JJ McCarthy's a guy that, that we've, that was talked about earlier and they met with formally uh, Mike Pratt as well. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of take a stab at one of these quarterbacks in the middle rounds. Yeah. Uh, Spencer Radler, I want nothing to do with, so I'm not going <laughs> to spend too much time talking about him. Uh, Michael Pratt or sorry, Mike, Pratt. Um, I'd be fine with the late round pick. I think he's got a couple flashes of, uh, of things that he can do as a quarterback um, in this league. Michael Penix is a very interesting one for sure, because Penix has the injury history. He's not concerned about the injury history, but I also don't think he'd be up at the podium being like, I'm terrified. Teams are going to examine me and, and find something. The one thing I'll say about Penix, he does throw a beautiful ball down the field. Yes, he had a lot of talent around him. There, there's no denying that. But, like, why is he getting penalized for having a bad game against Michigan? Where, like, wasn't this the same guy that, you know, beat Oregon twice last yeah. season, including in a neutral site game in Vegas? Like, why are we putting all of our chips into, no pun intended with Vegas, into just, oh, well, Michael Penix did this in one game, and all of a sudden, like, that's going to be his whole scouting thing. So, um I do think we can't just hold everybody in regard for, for one performance. And um, J.J. McCarthy, sure, had a team with a great defense, not as much skill players as, um, you know, as Penix had with Washington where, with, with what he did with Michigan, not that Michigan, the, the cupboard was bare <laughs> by any means. Um, but when he had to sling it, when Michigan needed to score – uh, he made that crazy athletic play against Bama in the Rose Bowl. They needed to score a touchdown to tie it up against Bama in that Rose Bowl. What did he do? He led the team down the field and scored. So maybe he doesn't have the best ball, all the best traits, but the guy can get the job done in crunch time and in pressure situations. Doesn't that sound like another quarterback that came from Michigan and, and kind of got the job done in those moments? That's all I'm going to say about um, J.J. McCarthy, but – uh, McCarthy for sure seemed to uh, show up big in the money moments. And if you want to manage your money properly, best be using Amuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amy Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead.
That's right. Immunity Financial has proudly been serving clients across the country since 1980. They got things like brokerage services, annuities, and sales and trading. So go to Immunity Financial, go to immunity.com, see how they can help you. They got places all across the states, not just in Colorado and Tampa. You can be in Indy, you can be in Michigan, you can be all over the place. So shout out to Immunity Financial. Shout out to all you pewter people for watching us this week. Check out all of our combine coverage and all of our Bucks coverage at pewterreport.com. Follow us on our social media on X, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Pewter Report. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pewter Report TV. We got tons of content up. More to come with uh, shorts and long-form videos and a lot of great stuff from the combine this week. That's going to do it for us. So for Adam Slavon, Scott Reynolds, Bailey Adams, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you on Monday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Bye-bye.